With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening. Welcome to this episode of the Black Tuesday Podcast. With so much in the air politically and just the various things that are transpiring. Only one person that, with the nuance and snark to bring it home, she is the managing editor of Toasted Cheese, your friend of mine, Stephanie Lenz. Good evening, Stephanie. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I am good. Now, as a writer and as someone who follows media rather intently, have you noticed in the last, say, the first month of the Biden administration that mass media or big media, they seem a little testy and a little distracted and a little bored? Those are three adjectives I would use. One of, one, one of which is the just nonstop mess that there's a writer for the Washington Post, Sun Min Kim. She is the one who pulled Lisa Murkowski aside and showed her old near attendant tweets about, you know, Murkowski and the GOP. Ethically, is that her place? Um, if it was just, if it was a story about that tweet and it was more recent and she was trying to get a, a response from the senator on that tweet yeah you got to show her what you're asking about if she doesn't know what you're talking about but if you're trying to talk about the uh, to the senator about the nomination and you know she said things on twitter that people have disagreed with you might want to show a variety of things like you know people are objecting to this or this is these are things she said about you and maybe you know five or six different things a variety if you're going to pull out one four-year-old tweet, then the story is not about what you say it's about. To me, it feels kind of gotcha. Like, mm-hmm. not so much with the Alaska senator, but more of near attendant who is watching the media aid the GOP and 
trying to submarine her nomination process where people are being other people are being nominated left and right and she was one of the earlier nominations and she's still kind of waiting yeah and every now and then it crosses my mind like I, I have a fleeting idea of well why near a tendon why are they after her and then I remember ah yes she's a brown woman and that's why we, we have to be extra critical for her and kind of get in her way and uh, you know instead of ask, asking you know Chris and Cinema, what's your hesitation? Or asking Joe Manchin, hey, we know what's up with your vote. What's up with that? But instead you're going to go to Murkowski with a four-year-old tweet and be like, did you know that she said this thing about you? Oh, my God, it's in her burn book. I mean, really, That's come what on. It feels like. It, that, yeah. that tweet is old enough to go to preschool mm-hmm. with my kid. I mean, it, I mean, they could be classmates. That tweet is that yeah. old. Yep. And yet, to see other folks in media covering for the reporters acting this way, watching Jen Psaki smack down reporter after reporter after reporter mm-hmm. with just the deft touch of a surgeon mm-hmm. makes you wonder, have these people been asleep for the last 48 months preceding this? Yeah. Yeah, they're they're not only asleep, but they were used to things being a lot easier and the stories being a lot easier to get someone's attention. Like, oh, did you guess, you know, what the press secretary said today? And you know, some crazy story about, um, what's her name, Smokey Eye, Sarah, Sarah Sanders or Sean Spicer. And they were almost the story. You could always back up on that if they didn't say anything of interest. And now it's kind of a scramble, you know, oh, my God, he's boring what are we going to write about? Well, we can write about each other. Like, we're not interested in you. You're not the story. Stop making yourself the story. It's almost like they don't know where to turn. There was a op-ed from Maureen Dowd, and normally we wouldn't give Maureen the time of day if she had Big Ben tattooed on her ass cheeks, but... <laughs> She's out here lecturing liberals in the press, and I just don't understand how 70-year-old woman is still commanding as far as her, because of how she went about her business, how she she dealt with things. Why is she still a factor? I'll I'll give her this. Her writing is not... um, it's not hard to read. You know, it's easy. I mean, I'm not saying that it's simplistic. It's just that narratively she can take you from point A to point B in a way that can keep you entertained for the five minutes it takes to read her column. Um, but that said, the content is never, you know, all that interesting to me. I, I read the op-ed you're talking about, and she had to drop in there about her Vanity Fair Oscar party in 2017. It's like, are are you a political columnist or are you a style and and fashion and lifestyle columnist where is it and i think that that line has been so blurred and everyone's been so softened um that you know when jen saki knocks down one of your bs questions they just don't know what to do and then you know like eric bullard said they just circle the wagons 
around each other, the media, and you kind of, you know, don't really have a lot of good content. They could be doing some great stories about, you know, what's going on and critical about how things are going to get funded and, you know, the old boring stuff that nobody seems to want to write. Everything has to be out of TMZ anymore. And I, I don't think that Dowd's column is interesting or, you know, relevant really to the discussion. I don't know if it's um, age in that um, she, you know, when she started writing and as she's continued to write, um, you know, the, the, what she covers has changed so greatly that maybe she's trying to create something that really, you know, in, initially she wasn't hired to do, but hasn't really grown and changed with how her beat has grown and changed. And it's almost like she doesn't know what to do. She doesn't know how to separate out the celebrity from the politics, so she's just blending them and hoping for the best. And so she's going to defend other journalists who are doing that. And the hallmark, or one of the cornerstones of any journalistic endeavor is accuracy. Mm-hmm. During this last presidential election cycle, Dowd wrote a column saying that Geraldine Ferraro and Walter Mondale were the last man and woman to run on the Democratic <laughs> ticket. Forgot now, about that. Even though my 47th birthday is not till June, mm-hmm. my memory is still rather strong. I kind of remember 2016. Yeah, I remember there was a woman on the ticket. One that Maureen Dowd has, I don't know what it is, but they either need to go into a locked room, you know, draw the curtains and have it out, like yeah. throw hands, or yeah. Dowd needs to pretty much, for lack of a term, keep Hillary's name out of her mouth because it just seems like for the better part of, 25, 28, maybe even 30 years that Mm -hmm. she's had an axe to grind. By this time, the damn axe is the size of a toothpick. It seems really personal, don't you think? I mean, it doesn't sound like she's going after her in a political way. It always seems like it's a personal, like, girl fight kind of attack. She, she being Dowd, wrote an article that pretty much asked the question, can Hillary cry her way back to the White House? <laughs> and I was like, damn, this is what we're doing now? Yeah. And, you know, after all that experience being a senator and being Secretary of State, you know, I can see why she would have to claw her way back in. <laughs> you know, I just, there's, there's always been something... There's always been something about Hillary Clinton that sets people off. There's, I've never known of anyone who was, yeah, she's okay, you know, one way or the other. People either think she's great or absolutely hate her, and, or they go back and forth. Like, oh, I, I think she's great, but she did this one thing. And boy, that really pissed me off. You know, I, I fall in the, in the camp of I think she's great. I think she's and great. every now and then a video or something comes up, and I'm just like, ooh, yeah, that's why. <laughs> Media Matters, about seven years ago, they had an analysis of about two decades of Dowd's columns about Hillary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of the 195 columns since November 93, 
72% or negative. Mm-hmm. Was that, did you say that's just doubt or is that the times altogether? That's just doubt. Yeah. They just need to fight. I mean, at, 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 at this point, they're about, about 70s, you know. I'm not saying this. I'm not saying it'll be a good fight. I'm not saying it'll be a long fight, but <laughs> I mean, shit. It seems like someone has something they need. They need to say. And it seemed like it's Maureen Dowd. It just, mm-hmm. and she's in that weird stratosphere of the Matt Taibbi weirdness, Dave Weigel, um, Dave Zirin from the Nation. Pretty much put upon folks who think they're going to try to save the the democracy shoveling endless piles of horse manure throughout the country. And it's, oh, it's... Yeah, and there's not a lot of content there either. I mean, I, I could, like if Maureen Dowd went in and she really went after somebody, that'd be something to read. You know, she had like a, you know, a personal vendetta or if she had... You know, um, she just was going after somebody for for something that you could really sink your teeth into. And be like, yeah, that's great. I'm looking forward to seeing what she's going to say next. You know, it's like like they said in private parts about Howard Stern. You know, oh, I want to listen to what he's going to say next. Or what do the people that hate him say? Oh, they they tune in because they want to hear what he's going to say next. You know, whether you liked her or you didn't like her, if she took a really hard stand on something, you'd be looking forward to her calm instead of being like, oh, it's Maureen Dowd day again. And yet, she tries to, actually, other media tries to bond with her and try to, like you said, try to bond with her, but mm-hmm. two wrongs don't really make her right. Look, look at her parents. And it's just, for me, it's be better at just objectively. Media needs to be objective. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to talk about someone who's not object- objective is Ro Khanna. Now, you said that up until last week, you had no idea that Ro Khanna existed. What have no, you No, I, I never heard the name before. Honestly, it was a trending topic, and I, I'm not saying this to you know make some kind of joke or something. I honestly thought, oh, that must be some Star Wars thing. Maybe there's, because I never saw Clone Wars, and I was like, oh, I think it's a Star Wars name, so I click on it thinking I'm going to learn some Star Wars spoiler or some new show or something about the new Obi-Wan Kenobi thing. I click on it, it's political. I'm like, what? And that was my introduction. I had no idea what was going on. Never heard of him before. If he were in Star Wars, he'd be from the the douchebags uh, system. Because he just, it seems as though he only has something negative to come out of his mouth all the time like and for me it's and he's on a pretty big committee he's on the subcommittee for intelligence emerging threats and capabilities the subcommittee on strategic forces like he has good committee assignments mm-hmm. but yet he is sitting there talking about the minimum wage and he's a burner mm-hmm. as an independent how do you take burners who are in politics who forget to do the jobs for what they're assigned or they're elected to accomplish? Well, um, before Bernie ran in 2016, I'd heard of him. Um, you know, I used to listen occasionally to Tom Hartman, and he would have Bernie on for 
don't know, like Coffee with Bernie or something like that was a segment. He always had interesting things to say and things that were further left than what Democrats were talking about. And I was like, yeah, this is kind of cool. I dig this. And so I would, you know, try to kind of seek him out. And then I kind of found out, well, he doesn't do a lot. He talks a lot and he talks a great game, but he's not doing a lot. And then he would kind of fall off the radar. Then 2016 happened and now Bernie's never been off your radar. But um, I, and I see people who've attached themselves to him in a, almost a, you know, like how you feel when you're like 20, 25, and you think, I, I can change things, and I can really do things, and you kind of might, you know, hook on to something like this and think, this is really, you know, I'm going to shoot for the moon. And unfortunately, what I'm seeing is a lot of the burner and Democrats are kind of following that same path. I looked up um, Kana's record tonight, and, you know, he hasn't been in office all that long, but he's got 15 pieces of legislation that he's co-sponsored. Or, I'm sorry, not 15, five um, that they're going through. I'm, I'm getting my numbers backwards, but I know his name's on five pieces of legislation. Some of them are really good. Some of them are tech legislation, interesting things like that. But one of them is a post office, which is the Bernie thing. You know, you're, and it, So I was like, I'm going to look up my own congressman. He's got hundreds of pieces of legislation, including post offices. And I always think, well, he never does anything. He does a lot of stuff. I don't agree with most of it. But he's there and he's getting stuff done. You know, you know, I, you know I didn't send him to Congress, but if he's going to represent me, at least he's not sitting on his butt doing nothing. And I feel like if I were represented by one of the Red Rose left kind of representatives, I'd be like, okay, well, what are you doing for me? Where is the legislation about my district? How are you volunteering? You know, how are you? How do you listen to constituents? Where's your town hall? You know, with that kind of thing. And you can talk about minimum wage and um, you know growth and tech and stuff like that that interests me. But you know, the talking is only going to get you so far. Where's the action? And I feel like kind of bunch on the end here is all kind of in that what do you think for the tech legislation and mm -hmm. it just seems like the way left wants to just build a name and not really do anything of any deep resonating impact all mm -hmm. sizzle no, no stake pretty much and I literally have to meter myself, and when I'm trying to discuss something with a burner, I, uh, I, I can't. I can't. I can't engage in mental combat with the unarmed. It's mm. just one of those things that, because <laughs> I know it's going to come across to name calling and nonsense, and yeah. But yet they'll sit there and they will try to sway you. They'll try to yeah. convince you, and it has taken all the strength I've had to not look at a burner and pretty much explain that I can't see their point of view because I can't get my head up my own ass that far. Yeah, I, and you and you like listen to like I have a friend who surprisingly was was a big burner, you know, four years ago when he was running for president, and I was like, you know, let's let's talk left wing politics because I don't have anybody around here I can you know openly talk politics with. And she would talk and talk and talk and talk. And I'd be like, these are great ideas. 
how are you going to get them done? What's the plan? And it would just be, well, then here's another idea that we have. And talk, 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 talk. And I'd be like, okay, but how, how do you do it? And it just never got to that part. And that's something I find when I try to follow, um, like, Twitter accounts or something like that of farther left um, representatives, and you're not going to find them in the Senate, I don't think, ever. Um, and, you know, they're, they're kind of trying to – I read something tonight. They're trying to push Biden further left. It's like, on what? To do what action? Right. By by what action of yours are you showing him, hey, people respond to this? No, you just want to push him that way and say, ha-ha, we did it. Okay. <laughs> You're the dog that caught the car if you succeed. Joe Biden is about 80. Well, he's in his mid to late 70s. He's mm-hmm. not going further left. He's not going to Bernie it. He's president. <laughs> Bernie will never be president. That's the no. thing that they don't understand. Like Bernie will never, ever be president, ever. He yeah. will never, ever sit in that chair or that office unless he is there for a tour like the rest of us. <laughs> and yet people always claim, oh, Biden's too old. They're like a year apart. Yeah. And, oh, he's been in Washington too long. The hell do you think Bernard was doing for the better part of <laughs> yeah. two-fifths of a damn century? It's frustrating because there's that hypocrisy swing. Now, one of the things, since we have talked about media extensively tonight, I want to talk about how people are framing the Derek Chauvin, who's the man who murdered George Floyd on video, how they're Mm -hmm. framing this trial. You have TMZ, you have the New York Post, you have all these media outlets saying it's a George Floyd murder trial. George Floyd didn't mm-hmm. kill anybody. He was That's the victim. Right. Yeah, he didn't get a trial. No. He was executed on the street. Judge, jury, executioner mm-hmm. right there. Yep. Innocent man. Now, two questions. One, why do you think that there's not a corrective approach to dealing with this media? And two, gut feeling. What do you think happens in this trial? Um, I think the trial is going to be kind of a show trial. I'm not hopeful that any true justice is going to happen. I mean, you know, we all saw the video. We all saw a man murdered in the street. If you can't convict somebody committing a crime on videotape, there's something wrong with the justice system, and we all know there is something wrong with the justice system. Um, so I, I don't... If, if there's a conviction at all, it might be like a manslaughter-type conviction with a light sentence and, you know, a break of some kind on the time served. Um, and, you know, maybe, I don't know, like a Camp Cupcake kind of incarceration, but... You know, I I wouldn't be hopeful that there's going to be any real justice criminally for the family of George Floyd. Now, there could be civil justice for the family of George Floyd, and I would hold out more hope for that. Um, like they might even uh, basically pay t- to make them go away. Um, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if something like that happens. If there's a 
a suit against Chauvin and a suit against the police department and you know, I'm I'm not sure who all could be named in different suits, but I I would be hopeful for that. And I think that there are plenty of good lawyers out there who would be more than willing to represent his family, especially his child, um, to get some kind of of justice for him. As for the media calling it the George Floyd trial, it's disgusting. I think they're doing it because they don't know who Derek Chauvin is, or they assume their readers don't know, but it was their job to make sure that people knew who Derek Chauvin was. So you can't say, oh, we have to call it the George Floyd trial so people know we're talking about. Well, if you'd covered it properly, if you'd made sure that it was out there that this is the guy who's charged with killing this man, then his name would be the infamous one, and that would be your headline. When I look at it, and I saw the phrasing of it, it bothered me to no extent, and it mm-hmm. brings up a painful sense memory, because I remember that, I want to say it was a Tuesday, it was it was either Memorial Day or the day out of Memorial Day, mm-hmm. and I remember watching that video, I watched the video probably a dozen times, mm-hmm. and to hear that man cry out for his mom, it just... To this day. To this day, any human being, it moves you. And just the callousness of the cop Chauvin just to sit there with that smirk, and the other two cops mm-hmm. just stood there yep. like statues and didn't lift a red finger. Yep. They didn't lift a hand to help this man who wasn't resisting. only thing he was resisting is trying to fight for his own wife. He was breathing. He was saying, I, you know, and it bothered me. And then I, like, saw what happened with Darren Wilson in Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Saw what happened with Eric Gardner's murderers in New York. Mm-hmm. Sandra Bland, Freddie Gray. Trayvon Martin. Trayvon Martin. Um, Tamir Rice. Yeah, that's that's one that just kills me. Just the mention of his name. It, it's unfathomable to me, and I wish I could say I was more surprised. But you know, I I just I don't know. I I don't understand how black folks in this country can continue to go into a courtroom seeking justice for themselves and being hopeful for it. It just it just seems like everything is so stacked against people that you know, where and where can you turn for justice? It it's just insanity. It's it's heartbreaking that this is you know, you know as was said in song, this is America. It it's funny. I, I remember watching that grainy Rodney King video when I was in high school. I think I was a mm-hmm. senior in high school. And knowing that, hoping, cause I remember having a, the conversation with my father who had, you know, at the time he had, he had seen some things. He's like, nothing's going to happen. They're going to, they're going to walk. I'm like, wait a minute. It, 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 it's, it's on video. They have proof. Mm-hmm. And he's like, look, this was like 1991, he's like, X-92, he's like, look, they could literally sit the jury 
in that video, like transport them into the video in the front and watch Ronnie King take that ass open, and mm-hmm. nothing will happen to those cops. Mm-hmm. Come to find out, apparently my old man was prescient because he mm-hmm. called it, and that's exactly what happened. And that kind of led down to belief of justice is a thing that's really not for us. Yeah. And I've always been told this is why we stay, we should stay out of courtrooms because we'll never find justice because justice doesn't apply to us. Mm-hmm. George Floyd's family is going to have to sit there and watch this man. One or two things are going to happen. He either will, he being Chauvin, will either walk or receive a less, he will be convicted of a lesser charge, which means he will probably be out within a decade. Yeah. That's Guaranteed. what I think is going to happen. And it was murder. Like, he murdered somebody on video, and it's right Mm -hmm. there. And it's one of those things that if it keeps the divide. It keeps the divide, and it keeps us separate. Mm -hmm. One of the things, if we pivot, that keeps us together is the nonstop mockery of Ted Cruz. (laughs) Oh, this is much lighter. Okay. At CPAC, which is like... (laughs) Angst written bigot Woodstock. Um, <laughs> Cruz capped off a rather bland, milk toast speech with yelling freedom, embracing his own version of Scottish warrior, a knight. William Wallace, who was a mm-hmm. leader of the first war of Scottish independence. Now, Ted, replete with garbage mullet, looking like skunk anus, um, <laughs> decided to punctuate this speech that he felt was going to move people. Uh, <laughs> undercooked chicken moves people. Too, Ted, but you don't really see people wanting to serve that either. But, and he had that, it was like his Howard Dean moment when he's named <laughs> off the States and he lets off that screech. I think of Chappelle's show and I think of the, the arm wildly gesticulating as he screams. And this is what Ted's moment was. And for those who don't know, William Wallace was a hero. He was a knight, but he also was turned in by. A friend, he was drawn and quartered, and his entrails were burned and hung at the Tower of London. Mm-hmm. And they sent his limbs to the four corners of Britain as a warning to others who might uprise. Literally, like, you know, like, Britain was pretty much the, one of the earliest versions at that time with Mr. Wallace of look around and find out. Mm-hmm. Well, he did, and he did. Yep. And Ted thinks that, there's some inherent nobility in freedom. This is the man who helped a foment insurrection, who yeah. went to Cancun for a quick visit. <laughs> when you when you look at Ted in totality, do I have to? You have to. <laughs> All right. Why? I'll steal myself. Why is he just just this? <laughs> uh, I I tell you, every woman knows a guy like this, or knew a guy like this at some point. He reminds me 
of a lot of guys who are creeping around in college. And they try to impress you with funniness that isn't funny or they're just unctuous blobs of nothing. And I don't know who he thinks he's appealing to. Um, people keep electing him. He keeps getting in office. Somebody likes him well enough to click a box on a ballot. But, um, you know, after his little stand-up routine, um, and they did that poll um, for CPAC about who do you want to run for president next time, he got 1%. That's so sad. He will never be president. and No. Yet, there's Ted. There's Ted, like, trying his best to just attempt to I don't know how to explain it. Um, I mean, he was cracking jokes about going to Cancun and leaving yeah, he thought it was funny. Went to starve and freeze and die. Like, <laughs> even yeah. Even he, like, the, I look at the whole family and just everyone down from his angry old, you know, his angry dad to, like, the family, like, everybody. It, the family tree has to be a cactus. Everyone's Certainly full of bricks. Pretty much. And just yet, he wins in Texas, and he torpedoed his own presidential aspirations because he really couldn't help himself from not being stupid. Now, I know that you are a Marvel fan. Mm-hmm. There was conjecture that Amber Heard wouldn't be an Aquaman too. That's DC. Sorry, not, that's true. <laughs> it's, it's been a day. It's okay. That, that she wouldn't be an Aquaman too. I'm just upset that there's going to be an Aquaman too. <laughs> hey, anything that gets him on my TV for an hour and a half, I'm okay with. I can put the sound off. Oh, it's it. The acting is just. Yeah, it wasn't great. I mean, I know that if you go to different acting schools, you get different methods. He must have went to the Pinocchio method because he is wooden as hell. <laughs> I'm expecting yeah. a termite to come flying across the screen when he talks. Yeah, he, he's. Um, his charisma is his personal charisma. It is not his talent. But he does now, seem like a real decent guy, a real fun guy, nice guy. I mean, he gets along with his exes at, or with his, you know, his spouse's ex. They're good buds. He he can't be that bad a dude, but you know, acting's not his thing. Now the issue with. Amber Heard was that she's being sued by her ex Johnny Depp for $50 million in a defamation suit because mm-hmm. apparently the thought was that she had kind of embellished some of the stories between them in his mm-hmm. his mind. Like right. Now it's ugly. It's yeah. ugly. It's ugly. It's ugly. And pretty much Depp is upset that 
he was taken off the Fantastic Beasts franchise and things like that, and so they're suing back and forth, and it's it's an ugly thing. Yeah, yeah. It's ugly all around. It's ugly between the two of them, personally, and it's ugly the way that people have extrapolated it to online fighting. And if you... You can't be listening to both of them. You have to pick a side. And it's it's a real mess, and nobody except the two of them knows what really happened. That's the part that, for me, it's... Yeah, I'm not... Exactly, I just just want the truth to come out mm-hmm. and if we make light of Aquaman and you know when I was a kid I watched Super Friends because that was the greatest cartoon show ever except, for the, fa- was. except for the fact that all the heroes of color didn't wear pants mm-hmm. <laughs> I believe that you are correct I mean you had Black Vulcan running around in like a leotard you had samurai with, like, wind for legs. Apache Chi wore, like, a loincloth. Yeah. I mean, even El Dorado, who was, like, the just drawn on, we're just going to smack another person of color up in the, the yeah. Hall of Justice, wore, like, shorts. Yeah. Meanwhile, everyone else is, 70s like... 70s-style shorts, those ABA shorts. Yes, like, just... <laughs> Bad banana hammocker, and it just. <laughs> Did you ever see that? No, go uh, ahead. No, sorry, go ahead. Did you ever see where Don Cheadle played Captain Planet? Yes. <laughs> that just went through my head. I he lives in my head rent free. Don Cheadle's always in there in some way, but yes. him as Captain Planet just kills me. Yes, <laughs> and it just. I didn't think they, I honestly didn't think that DC needed to make another movie. I don't want to see the, how uh, was it, uh, Zack Snyder, is that his name? Yeah. The cut of, you know, the cut of whatever, no, no one wants to see that. Yeah, I'm, No one I'm wants to see another Wonder Woman. The last one was terrible. <laughs> it's, DC needs to kind of, like, separate from the movie business and kind of, you know, take a couple of years to find themselves. Yeah. I did like uh, The Emancipation of Harley Quinn. That was an entertaining film. And I think part of it is that the reins were off, and they could swear, and they could have the violence that was necessary to tell the story. And um, it it was a completely different kind of movie, and it was enjoyable to sit and spend my time watching it. So I'll recommend that one. It's not my movie of the week, but you know, if you're going to watch something, I mean... Sh- Harley Quinn is in love with a breakfast sandwich at one point. How can you go wrong? And it is the most toxic story. Like, it, it is well, yeah. like, that's one, but it's like, Suicide Squad went into awful. Just just mm-hmm. bad. Um, I'm a huge, huge Batman fan. You can't sit in my house anywhere and not see something Batman. And I absolutely despise the new Batman movies with, with um, Ben Affleck. What's his name? Ben Affleck, yeah, they're just awful. I love The Dark Knight and, and those. I mean, that one I love and the other two I like, but I, I don't, this isn't, it's it's a weird Batman, and it's a Batman that does, his motivations don't make sense, and Kal-El's motivations don't make sense, and it's just, they. it's almost like they want Aquaman 
to be their Thor movies, and therefore they have to do more because they're three four Thor movies. And it's like, no, that's not how this works, and it's it's madness. But at least with Thor, Thor is layered, and he had the issues mm-hmm. with Odin. It was like uh, there's a struggle. He had the mm-hmm. uh, ne'er do well half brother in Loki, and he had, you mm-hmm. know it was. But Aquaman is just you know he is pretty much. He summons dolphins. Pretty much. He summons dolphins and he works out. <laughs> he literally yep. could have mailed this movie in. He literally could have zoomed in his parts and just stood and there. Aquaman it, is just, you know, he's always been the butt of jokes for DC. So, I mean, i got to give it up to them for get, casting someone who doesn't look like Aquaman from the comics. You know, I, I kind of like the, the, this guy looks like he comes from the sea. Yes. That was good. But that's a casting director's decision. You know, the problems remain with all of these DC films in screenwriting and and the script and the direction and the color washout. I mean, these are comic book movies, and they all look like they've been printed on, you know, three-tone black, white, and sepia. They're not fun. They're not fun. Like, when I look at Marvel, I look at excitement. It's something different. It's, mm-hmm. you know, well, except for, uh, what was it, the, uh, the, the Dark Phoenix yeah, I watched a little bit of that last night for the first time, and I, I just couldn't. I I got so far, and I was like, uh, I'm going to bed. <laughs> I mean, but they tried, you know. Sophie you got Turner good actors. In her main, like her starring role, mm-hmm. she went from, you know, Sansa, Queen of the North. The North, yep. the North remembers this movie was shitty. <laughs> Sansa was my girl. I had her pegged to win the Game of Thrones. I was, I was way Yep. But she went from the North to Jean Grey, and it was so terrible. It just mm-hmm. her American accent is just it doesn't work. It's so. It's like Keanu Reeves in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh. He changes accent in the middle of a sentence. He says, "Is the castle fall?" <laughs> or it's like Nicolas Cage in Con Air with that. Oh, there's accent. that. Gosh, he literally sounded like inebriated Forrest Gump. It was so bad. <laughs> Speaking of films, what is your movie pick of the week? Okay, well, actually, I have, I picked a fun one this week because we had some heavy ones. But I did want to say real quick um, before I get into my my main pick that Pixar in the last three days has dropped two um, full short animated films on their YouTube channel. So you don't have to subscribe to Disney+. Plus. You don't have to go looking for them. You just go to um, YouTube.com slash Pixar, however it goes. And there's one called Wind, and there's one called Float. And uh, as is usually the case with Pixar shorts, they're technically silent films. There's no dialogue. There's music. There's sound effects, stuff like that. But, um, you know, if if you like them, you like silent movies. Um, Wind is really good. I liked it a lot, but Float is a you know, Pixar break-your-tissues-out kind of thing, especially for parents of or anyone who is considered to be different or unusual. Um, it's a boy who can float, and it embarrasses his father, and he tries to um, suppress that spark of what, who, what that child is in order to appease people around them. 
and there's a little lesson learned in those seven minutes. It's a beautiful little film. So I really recommend Float, and you know, while you're there, spend another nine minutes watching Wind. They're both great movies. Um, and the one I was actually thinking about to be um, the the pick of the week is I've been thinking a lot about Dolly Parton and what she's done and how much we all love her. And then I saw the slightest amount of the Golden Globes, and I was thinking about Jane Fonda and thinking about how one time she did sign language for accepting an Oscar because the Oscars weren't, or maybe it was the Golden Globes. In any case, the broadcast wasn't closed captioned back in the late 70s. So she signed, and as she signed, she spoke and she said, I'm doing this because this isn't accessible to all people. And I was thinking, you know, we're all kind of rethinking Jane Fonda lately. We're all talking about Dolly Parton. We need to be rewatching 9 to 5. So 9 to 5 is going to be my um, pick of movie of the week. And it's one of those ones, I think everybody's seen it. I saw it in the theater when I was 9. My mother let me go with her to see it. And I loved the part where they were all smoking dope. I had no idea what they were doing, but I loved the little fantasies. And um, you can always comfort yourself by knowing that Ronald Reagan hated that scene. He said that it would, um, I mean, he didn't like all the feminism and stuff throughout the film, but he didn't like that scene in particular because he said it would encourage young people to take drugs. And I saw it with my very <laughs> uptight, um, you know, Reaganish era mom at the movie theater. But um, the, I was reading a little bit about how and why it was made, and Jane Fonda opened a production company, and she wanted to do a movie about women, and she wanted to do a movie about labor. And that's how we got 9 to 5, is she wanted to do something that was about working people who were taken advantage of by the people who were higher up the ladder. So if we're going to talk about the fight for 15 some more, if we're going to talk about women being edged out in the workplace, we can look again at 9 to 5 and we can watch it with that in mind or we can just sit back and enjoy it for what it is. Um, so I looked where you can stream it. It's included with Hulu. You don't have to do any additional subscription or money or anything. And then you can find it. It's renting right now on Amazon Prime for 2 bucks, And you can also rent it from Microsoft and Google Play and YouTube and iTunes and Vudu. So that would be my suggestion for just a light, fun time. If you want to take it heavy, you can take it heavy. Otherwise, you can just watch um, Dolly Parton say she's going to change him from a rooster to a hen with one shot. And she, honestly, to her credit, I mean, she's in the movie with Jane Fonda, Billy mm -hmm. Tomlin, and Dolly Parton holds her own in these movies. Like, she can literally yeah. act, and it just... Mm -hmm. It was her I'm, first film. And it was weird just to see, like, it was it, her her timing. Her timing was just, it was natural. And mm -hmm. it's weird. Like, she's, I think she might be in her 70s, but she, very few people in, you know, this stage of their career have garnered even more fans. I'm not sure if she still mm -hmm. puts music out, but just her philanthropic efforts have, just inspired so many people. Yeah, I mean, she's loved, and Gen Z knows who she is. You know, everybody knows who Dolly Parton is. Do you ever watch um, Twins, the New Trend, the two twins that watch music that's new to them? 
Yes. There, if, if anybody hasn't seen them, go look them up on YouTube. It's called Twins, The New Trend. Uh, you can't miss them. Um, and one of the ones they're famous for is their reaction to Jolene. It's pure joy. It just tells you that's what she taps into in human beings. It's just she comes to this place where she can reach in and you can feel her heartache and she can touch you musically and then she does this movie where you find out she can actually act and she's really funny. Um, the scene where she just sits on the bed with her husband talking about what work is like is a beautiful little scene. And you don't get a lot of you know, intimate marital moments like that, in, especially in a comedy. But um, she's just a wonder all around. All three of them are. But um, yeah, it, if you like Dolly, if you don't like Dolly, I, you know, maybe this will change your mind. But Now, how can people interact with you on social media? They can usually, I just recommended, I was over at Facebook looking for a news story today, and I had a message from someone I didn't know, and so it was a legit thing, and so I was replying to her, and I said, you know, I'm never here on Facebook. I was just looking for something in the news. You can find me over on Twitter, at Edenza, E-D-E-N-Z-A, and she found me there. One of the highlights is dealing, you know, is talking through the, that the day's news and definitely in there movies and laughing. <laughs> Stephanie Lynn, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Black Tuesday podcast. It was always a pleasure. Happy March 366 to you. Oh, this has been another episode of the Black Tuesday podcast. Be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. If you see a burner, give them some soap. <laughs>